0: I mean, like your background, I'm sure it's really easy for you to take in a bunch of inputs and be like, I can sort of conceptualize a business that does this. Or that. You can kind of like imagine it much mm-hmm. more easily. And also, I, if I wanted to, I could make it seem real. I could do a website and, a <laughs> right, app, you know, yeah. I could like exactly. mock it all up to where it could seem real. enough. I could pitch it to somebody or like an investor or something. So there's a lot of practical things that make being a founder easier if you have artistic or design backgrounds. Welcome to Beyond Aesthetics, a podcast about art and design from the Fountain Institute. In this podcast, we explore how to think like an artist and how to think like a designer.
1: Our hope here is to encourage and support creative people on their career paths.
0: We are the co-founders of the Fountain Institute and we're an education company based in Berlin, Germany. Today, we have a lot to talk about.
1: For our first two episodes, we're looking at two paths to becoming creative founders. I'm Hannah Baker and I'm an artist.
0: I'm Jeff Humble, and I'm a designer. Let's get started. What do you want to know? What are we talking about today, Hannah? Uh,
1: we're talking about our paths to becoming uh, founders or creative founders, not just founders, mm. creative founders. Founders that
0: are creatives?
1: Founders that are creatives, but also founders that are working in the creative field and who are promoting creativity.
0: So wouldn't you be technically an artist founder?
1: Yes, I am an artist founder, but I also do design, and I think that sometimes when you use the word artist founder, that there are certain perceptions in our culture that people have certain ideas of what that might be, and I feel like I go beyond maybe some one of those narrow views could be of what an artist founder is.
0: So you're you're a creative person that's a founder. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I also think it sounds obnoxious to say artist slash designer founder.
0: Yeah, I'm so sick of the slashes. We could just remove the slashes. We could probably save years of our lives. Yeah, I guess I would say that I'm a designer founder. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay. That That's okay with me as a title. I don't know what other words I would use for it. But what what are we a founder of, Hannah? Like, what is yeah. the thing we founded?
1: So we founded the Fountain Institute, which is educational creative brand that is promoting creative so you can identify as an artist you can design identify as a designer or either or and trying to promote and empower them to go further in their careers i guess is a yeah. one way to describe it
0: well this this episode we're talking about a specific path in a career which is mm-hmm. founding so this is founding a company can you walk us through maybe from university you know let's talk about first Steps towards becoming a founder. Yeah. And just a sort of warning that we're talking about hindsight, which is 2020. Yes. And the reason we're doing this is we're hoping that maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast goes, oh, okay, something that Hannah said sounds like me. Uh, Maybe, you know, founding a company is a viable path for me. And that's what we kind of want to to help out with so starting at like university let's say
1: yeah and to go off of what just jeff just said too it's you tend to sometimes tell your story sometimes and you know you're thinking back of like oh i made this decision because of this or this influenced it in this way and i don't disagree with them but i think that sometimes we can put more emphasis on things We can be a little too creative. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so my career. So I started off at a fine arts college in the U.S. It was a small um, school, too, and that really focused on, like, promoting the idea of being an artist. And so I think one of the differences within that from maybe a larger university that has, like, being an art major in a larger university is that they really did kind of encourage and promote this idea of, um, or not promote, but like encourage you that you can be an artist and that you didn't have to shy away from that in a way.
0: So the people that, that graduated would expect to be called like artist, air quotes, artist.
1: Yeah there were definitely there was a lot of different departments and so you definitely had um and so for us like departments were sculpture or painting or uh graphic design we had like design departments graphic design and film and stuff like that what was the school it was called mica Maryland institute college of art but it also was uh highly regarded for being a painting school and so um there was I think there was more emphasis on the fine arts, so being allowing you to think about the idea of being an artist was acceptable there. So there wasn't pressure to like have to have this quote unquote practical skill. So to like, them.
0: so some places you'd feel like you were in a separate part of the university and mm-hmm. sort of, ad- but here you were the main. Yeah. The main,
1: okay. Yeah, and so, but in hindsight. Um, I think what they really taught me, and I've had this conversation with some other friends now, and, and to put perspective on this, um, I graduated there uh, 12 years ago, okay. and so um, was that there was a lot of, they really taught us how to think, and so it wasn't as much, even though there was emphasis on the material and emphasis on learning skills in those materials or the practicality of that, the general like overall feeling was really thinking about creative problem solving and how do you translate these conceptual ideas into mostly physical objects they weren't always physical objects but um in yeah. the majority of the time we so talk about this
0: it. as art thinking a lot yeah. right? when we me have conversations so the, the things that that artists do that are not aesthetics we kind of classify as art thinking and it seems like a lot of people there learned about art mm-hmm. thinking, although it wasn't necessarily called that.
1: No, it wasn't called that. But um, but yeah, I like um, as I said before, like with conversations with people now who are in the design world or in um, who are still making art or teaching art at university levels or in like architecture, the common idea is that they really taught us how to like think creatively.
0: And so you see some some threads between being a founder now. And the sort of art thinking that you learned in school.
1: Yeah, I think that throughout every stage of my educational and career path, I see that as being a benefit from that, and being able to look at things from a different perspective. But specifically for like found like becoming a founder, I think that it kind of has two folds. Like one is like I want to like promote this idea further, and so that was like. Um, a driving force behind that but also Mm -hmm. I think it was allowing me to look at certain fields in a different way.
0: So you're like building skills and and a mindset that you wanted to share. Yeah. Okay and then you graduated with what degree?
1: I graduated with a sculpture degree. Sculpture,
0: okay. <laughs> so, what what did that look like after you graduated? How did you get in the workforce?
1: Um, uh, I mean, it was a it was two thousand eight, so it was a really interesting time to mm-hmm. try and get into the workforce. And I, um, the I, crash. Yeah, and so I took a bunch of years off, in a sense, where I traveled a lot and tried out uh, different living in different cities and different countries, and eventually when i decided i wanted to kind of not settle down but not move move around as much anymore i um decided that i really missed the creative side of things again um i was working in restaurants to earn money um but i really felt this need to build on the creative side and so i started to volunteer and work for uh, museums at that time. And I also always had a passion for education. And so um, I didn't know there were such things as education departments. And so I started working um, and volunteering for this museum. At the time, I was living in Austin, Texas. And there was this museum called Austin Museum of Art, which has later on transitioned into what is now the contemporary Austin. But um, at the time when I was working there, I learned what education departments was, and I was able to really combine these two skills of education and art in a meaningful way.
0: Okay, so you've got, like, in, in college, you've got art thinking, you've mm-hmm. got conceptual problem solving, some things I heard you say. Now I'm hearing, you know, education departments and these kind of things. At any point, up until then, did you think, oh, I should found my own no. museum thing? You didn't. You weren't thinking. That no, I
1: think I was like too. No, I never had like a strong desire at that age and at that time of my life to like build my own thing or to create my own company or anything like that. I still was really interested in learning from other people
0: yeah.
1: and and gaining knowledge in and, a way. And how old were you then? I would say I was between like twenty three and twenty five okay. at this time, and so so at that point it was really about like wanting to work within a system like I was really interested in in building around and what like the facilities of a a larger system so in the sense a museum working within cities working within education in schools and stuff like that and the impact that that could have yeah that's what intrigued
0: me okay and so after you you were making your your first steps into the Museum education world. What happened next?
1: Um, after that, I realized that it was really hard to get into that field, and so I needed to get a master's. And so everyone that I had talked to, there was kind of no way, or not no way, but um, it would be really hard for me to progress in that field without having a master's. And so I had decided to go back to school.
0: So, like, in order to get the job, you wanted your undergraduate wasn't your your bachelor's wasn't enough, so you, you wanted to get a master's.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that was from after talking to people, in, like, working in the industry, and also talking to people who were higher up in the industry, and they had all, like, there's some people who re- were, like, really important mentors to me, like, even to this day, still have really great relationships with, and have always, like, been there for me when I had questions about things, um, mm-hmm. and they basically told me that, like, it was a hard industry, but, like, if you're interested in doing it, like, your kind of only choice is to go okay. get a master's.
0: So, like their professional opinion was, yeah. this will be a nice like a tip or a trick to get you the job you want as in like it's possible to have got the job you wanted through the sculpt your your sculpture undergrad but really like they said it would help so kind of what I'm hearing is that there's not any traditional path except maybe a master's gets you the job Mm -hmm. so so you went for the master's
1: yeah so I went for the master's which is a really um unusual experience for me because it was incredibly um academically rigorous which um in a sense of like really focusing on research processes and um, the emphasis a lot was like in my mind to like become an academic. Mm, Um, That was not how you felt at Micah. No, Micah was very much about like the concept goes before the execution. Yeah and like even like we had a lot of academic classes but it wasn't like I think the professors were more concerned about, like, the concepts in your papers than, like, if the grammar was 100% correct right. in the papers. Okay. And so I was always really used to that. And this was, like, a different situation where it was, like, super, like, we had multiple classes about how to do research and how to write a research, a thorough research, like, thesis. And all the emphasis was put on the thesis itself. Okay. And so for me, that w- it was just a shock. Mm. because I hadn't had that before.
0: The, was the thesis related to the job you wanted in museum education?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I also have a really interested um, interested in learning disabilities as I have dyslexia myself, and so that really was a path to why like art has been so important and why education and art has been so important in my, in my life, and so I decided to focus on that thinking, like wanting to promote that within education departments in museums.
0: Yeah. Right about yeah. what you know That's
1: what exactly, like. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, so you did this master's, you finished your thesis, mm-hmm. graduated, and then and then what came next? Like what what? Also thinking about the yeah. founder thing.
1: Yeah. So at that moment, um, all I really was concerned about again was working in an organization. Like all of this was in purpose to working for an organization, and so at that time, I still didn't really have thoughts about like becoming a founder or becoming, um, creating my own thing. Um, But what it really gave me was um, a variety of experiences in a wide range of industry, or like within the museum field. So working for really small museums that were like two or three people to massive museums that had like um, 3,000 people on their staff. And so it gave me like a really big spectrum of like what the impact that you could have at different levels. And what I found really satisfying is being able to have more of an impact. So even though the opportunities and the prestige might have been in the larger museums, and it's not like I didn't try to go for them and want to work in them, but when I, the jobs I had in smaller institutions were more satisfying because I saw my impact
0: that's happen. A, that's really something to, to, to listen to a bit because I think impact and founder probably go hand in hand. Yeah. And and so you're 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 founding uh, an art and design education company now. Like, mm-hmm. what was the path to get there?
1: So from there, I I really it's interesting because I really wanted to have an impact. You know, as I was talking about, and the museum that the last museum I was working for at the time, um, I really didn't feel that. First of all, it was really hard getting into the industry. And then once you were there, I felt like um, I was just a cog in a wheel. And they didn't really care about the impact that I had on the community, even though they wanted to bolster about it to um, their donors and to their board members and all that kind of stuff. When it came down to it, it, I really didn't feel like there was like care effort in trying to improve the relationship with um, the community. And so I decided to leave that and focus on art making and then that brought me to the to the design world and um, learning or using my skills from like university and education with research but also with art and design or with art and the fundamentals of that doing branding and web design seemed to be the easiest transition for me um, that I can kind of just like jump into and learn on the job
0: and did, did did learning about or sorry working in branding and and that those that, that realm web design just did did that help you on your path to become a founder
1: absolutely because I it was a scary leap to jump into doing that going from working in a larger unit like industry to then jumping into freelance it was terrifying and there's a lot of ups and downs but very quickly I realized I really really loved working for myself and working and and being able to uh, create my own destiny in a sense, even though that sounds really cheesy saying. Um, but I really loved being able to build my own thing. And it was kind of a shock to me because it was never, like, as I have said before, it was never like a desire. It was never something I was like, I want to build my own thing. And then when I did it, I was like, oh, I can't go back.
0: Yeah.
1: And so my like kind of introduction to like a founder that's with air quotes, um, was freelancing. And so I had to like build my own clientele. I had to build my own structures. I, I understood like, or like I learned about like the like different like processes I needed for like onboarding and getting new clients and all these things. And so when I saw a problem, I was able to fix it because I was the one that was like and for me, it was, like, a one-person one, one person show. And so it was, like, I was the one responsible for it.
0: And you didn't really go from working at a company doing design to exactly. freelancing. You jumped yeah. from not really doing independent contract design <laughs> yeah, work exactly. to doing it. Yeah, yeah and, I jumped from,
1: like, not doing design to doing freelance design yeah. all at once. Yeah.
0: And I mean, Hannah and I have known each other for a long time, so I sometimes know the answer these questions. But <laughs> what what was the driving factor, uh, motivating factor? There was it like mm. money to to live, or was it yeah. um, you wanted to try that sort of field out, or you know, what was the driving thing there?
1: So for me at the time, um, I was really. Uh, unhappy as I said in in the museum world and I um, had an opportunity where the museum I was in before was restructuring and so I had I got laid off and I was um, had some time and money that I wanted to take the most opportunity of and I did that with traveling but also getting back to um, doing art again and so that allowed me to kind of test out these new ideas and test out these new things. Um, yeah, that kind of—I forget what the question was. Well, it's
0: sort of like the motivation to go freelance because you said oh, it the wasn't. Moti- oh, the motivation was. Founder.
1: It was also like I wanted to like. I wanted to move to Berlin
0: too. Mm, okay. That was a big gotcha. part of it, a big, like a, a life change. Yeah.
1: yeah, but like part of the life, like part of, of why I wanted to move to Berlin is because I saw the opportunity that it, I had to work and live here, um, and that this was like in the, the initial the stage was imported. like a, a means to an end in yeah. a way. But then that was like the initial reaction but like the reality of it was like it was satisfying all these other things i wasn't expecting it to satisfy
0: right. like it wasn't your dream to be a freelancer it just enabled a, a situation yeah. in your life so and then and then from there you and I have gotten to the place where <laughs> yeah. you are the founder of this. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so then, um, so yeah, as I don't think we mentioned this before, but we're both in Berlin mm-hmm. now. And, um, so yeah, we've known each other for 10 years, but, um, when I moved here, we kind of reconnected again and can, and like, so at that part in, in my life was what, and, and where the found, like the idea for becoming a founder came in was like finding a topic and an interest that like, i wanted to pursue more and also like knowing that i enjoyed working for myself and finding somebody else that was like interested in that um kind of led to this idea of like wanting to build even more than just beyond a freelancer
0: yeah did you start with like i'm gonna kind of know the answer here but like (laughs) did you start with like okay we've got a a like-minded person so whatever we do will be fine or did you did you say oh well i have a an issue and I need help solving it? Mm. Or was it like, um, you know, this is a dream team put together to make the right kind of thing that I want to make.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my memory of it and the way that I think about it is that like um, there was a want and a need to provide something to a customer or to provide something to a community um, that utilized um, my skills and that um, you saw you had the same desire and that we saw like a similarity in our differences and mm-hmm. thought that that could, like, build on top of each other. Um, yeah. And that's how I remember it, or think yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, it's a, I guess it was sort of a mix of, like, the kind of work you want to do, the capabilities yeah. you have, and the kind of problems and it was, you saw out in the world.
1: Yeah, and that was, like, in that was like the initial um, intro into starting this. But once we got further into it and started having longer conversations, it really... I didn't, like, I wasn't conscious of this when I started it, but, like, afterwards, I was so obvious to me that it combined all the things that i had done over my life. So yeah. dealing with fine arts, dealing with sculpture and then moving into education and then moving into design and then thinking about how like that was such an important path to me and and like and like i really when i focus on art and design i miss the education side of it. I miss supporting people and 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 creating activities and opportunities and events for them to gain knowledge and get better. And it wasn't until doing this and actually putting myself forward as a founder that I realized that, like, that's what I needed. And then that's what, like, that has driven me to continue and wanting to build my own company because it really feels like it has, like, satisfied these other variety of things in my life.
0: And this is something that we're almost feeling like is company wisdom at this point, <laughs> <laughs> is that people want to take their past experiences mm-hmm. and combine every single one of them into the perfect next experience yeah. because they don't want to leave behind. They don't want to say, oh, well, that time I did um, this internship was useless. And I didn't learn anything. Yeah. Actually, everyone tries to use their past and yeah. in- 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 gain from it. So, yeah, it sounds to me like founder is a pretty broad job, I guess you could call it job, because yeah. it pulls from like a lot of different experiences, especially like I wouldn't really consider... Uh, if you told me what's the founder like I wouldn't think as a person who went to school for sculpture you mm-hmm. know um, but I like yeah. I like that it, it can teach you things that, that
1: will help well and what I think is also really interesting is that like even though you and I have come to the same point at this moment mm-hmm. of like what we're we have like um, common ideas and common thoughts of like where we want this like company to go and where we want it to be mm-hmm. through a long like long discussions a long time like a year. yeah <laughs> Um, our path to it is like very different. Yeah. And your desire for being a founder and my desire for being a founder roots are very different. And I think that's really interesting as well. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Beyond Aesthetics, a podcast by the Fountain Institute.
0: Stay tuned for part two, where I'll talk about my path from graphic design to UX design and then to founder.
1: If you like this episode and you're interested in hearing more, then hit the subscribe button.
0: Oh, and a huge thanks to Tobias Humble for the music featured in this podcast. See you next week.
1: Thanks for listening... Mm. Thanks for listening to our first episode... Thanks for listening... I can not even stop laughing. Thanks for listening to our first episode... It's funny when I can do it. I hate you so much. God, I hate you. Do it again. Do it again.